This is Everyday Driver, where we know cars are expensive, but necessary, and have to do a world of things. But we also believe they should be fun. Whatever you need and can afford, we're here to help you find the right car. We're your car friends, your car therapist, and sometimes the bad influence you need. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is The Car Debate. Hello again. Happy Friday. Welcome back to the podcast. We are thrilled to have you with us. We have really two awesome car debates that are coming up. They're a little bit unique. I love that. Some really great questions from you guys. We have changes coming to the patrons that we will announce to our patrons. That are, We're kind of changing some things up on the patron side. I want to let you know that up front. Paul is looking at me going, remind me, please. But we'll talk about that off, off the air. <laughs> no, no, I, but, I remember. Um, we're going to do that. Also, we just dropped a Genesis G90 versus Lexus LS 500 F Sport. That just <laughs> dropped on the original channel, and we still have test drives happening. Happening every Sunday, which means there's another one coming up in two days for those of you watching the calendar. Speaking of the calendar, next week's July 4th. We are not going to be doing any podcast episode for July 4th, 2023. So we are closed. The company is closed for that holiday. And we appreciate your understanding that just gives us a break, but we also feel like it gives everybody a break. Let's go out and celebrate. And Yes, uh, for sure. Yeah. So in the US, July 4th holiday, we are closed. You know, speaking of the, the Genesis G90, you and I rarely get an opportunity to drive the long wheelbase sedans, the big boys, True. the, yes, the luxury sure. cruisers, the mm-hmm. business exec- executive class cruisers. And so we had both of those back to back and mm-hmm. put them together and decided, you know what? Genesis has entered this market yeah, and yeah. we discussed that. So that is on our original channel. And like you said, the, uh, the test drive for Genesis is coming very soon. Yep. We've got a bunch of stuff coming. We've got a bunch of really good test drives coming. We have been hugely backlogged with test drives, which we're very, very thankful to the manufacturers for constantly sending us cars. So we have a ton of those coming again. That is like clockwork every single Sunday. We also have some uh, POVs dropping on Wednesdays right now on the test drive channel. We don't do a POV on every car. We try to do it on a lot of them, but those are happening as well. So there's a lot of stuff coming from us, including generally two podcasts a week. We've been bad about that recently <laughs> well, because my know, voice hasn't been up for health it, but issues, we're, yeah. we're going we're gonna to continue to bounce back and do more and we are back for two really good car debates, and I'm excited. I'm excited by the news that Singer oh, yes. has dropped, mm. and that is the Porsche 911 reimagined by Singer. Yes. And they do that out of respect for Porsche, the company, and because they don't <laughs> own any of the trademarks. And to avoid things like lawsuits. Yes. Well, yes. Uh-huh. So referring to it as a Singer 911 is actually incorrect, according to the company, but for purposes of discussion, they have dropped their DLS, the dynamic and lightweighting study for the, uh-huh. their version of the 930 Turbo from the 70s. And it it hurts me to look at this thing. Just go to <laughs> singervehicledesign.com. Like yeah, you like it that much. I really, okay. really yeah, like yeah. it. If I had the money, y- yes, that's what I'd spend the money on. Okay, all right. And Singer does not build cars. They remake them. So you have to bring your own car to Singer for them yes. to remanufacture mm-hmm. and remake and reimagine. So they mm, also use yes. the same engine. And now it is a twin turbo, 3.8 liter flat six <sighs> with 700 horsepower. Over 700 at 9,000 RPM. Their stuff is, <sighs> their stuff is magical. It's, it's, there really isn't anything better done. I mean, the only ob- obvious comparison, of course, is Icon doing it for four by fours, where it's that above and beyond level. But of course, the money is above and beyond. And it's one of those things where it's rare to even Just. see one, let alone the chance of drive no one or kidding. interact with one or anything like that. I, to be honest, these have reached that weird one-off unobtainium level in my brain. Where I'm aware that they exist and they're cool, but they just they they flush right out of my RAM memory until I see one again. I just I, I forget right. that they exist until I'm like, oh yeah, it's one of those. It's I never obsess just... about them because they're so out of reach. But every time they drop a new one, it, I will say this: 
I can't think of another company right now who every time they drop a new kind of slight design variant, you go, oh, yeah, that's good looking. I mean, they Porsche just, is a company, kind uh, of. But Porsche is very conservative, and, and Singer doesn't have to be as conservative, and they're taking it and making things more flamboyant. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. all of their cars just look great. It, they really look great. It just looks so great. Yeah. I want one so much. <laughs> so very, very much. Sure. <laughs> I'll buy a house or two. <laughs> exactly. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Whatever car you're looking for, and wherever it's listed, you'll find it with Autotempest.com. Autotempest.com brings together results from all the top used car listing sites online to save you time and help you find the perfect car. It even lets you compare with nationwide results from Facebook Marketplace and Craigslist, not just your local area. Plus, you can now get email alerts for your search, so you're sure to never miss a thing. You can even price and find new cars from nearby dealers. That's why Auto Tempest is now the official sponsor of all of our test drive videos. We use it to search for new cars or used cars wherever they are. When you're doing your drive homework, you're chasing the next family car, or just browsing so you can see what's available, go to autotempest.com slash everyday so they know we sent you. Auto Tempest. All the cars. One search. Our first debate comes to us from Alex M. in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm who writes as the subject line of his email that his fiance is melting his clutch. Alex, is she listening? She's is listening she now. Is she going to be listening? I'm just, I'm just aware of the fact that this could go sideways. We're going to tread carefully here. Alex is currently driving a 2018 Accord with a six-speed manual. He's got a few mods. It makes it fun to drive, and he loves it. They're an exhaust and intake to make the oral experience more enjoyable. <laughs> a short shifter, and he tunes up the power a little bit. It's got under 60,000 miles since he works a hybrid schedule for his work. The only car that he would debate trading it in for is his dream car, a Nissan GTR. Alex, I don't know. I'm theorizing and everything I'm about to say right, right now, and that is, have you actually driven a GTR? And the game doesn't count. What I wonder here is, you say that's the only car you would possibly trade your 2018 Honda Accord for. There's a lot of cars you can get for GTR money. The cars you can get for GTR money vary wildly in what they're like to drive. So I'm going to say something to you that may, be, may seem like sacrilege to you, Alex. It may be controversial to many of you listening, but I'm going to say it. There is no question, nobody's debating, nobody is ever going to argue with me on the fact that the Nissan GTR is a better performance vehicle than a 2018 Honda Accord. However, I don't think it's more involving. And I think it could be argued as maybe, depending upon how you drive your Accord and what it is you like about your six-speed Accord, because you go on and tell us how much you like it, you might not like it as much. Those are crazy words and controversial, but I tend to agree with you, actually. I, I, what, I'm, what I'm worried about, and maybe you've driven it, and that's why you love it. What I'm worried about is that it's a poster car for you. Mm-hmm. And the GTR is, without question, brilliant. It does physics and logic-defying things. And that is fascinating behind the wheel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. anytime I drive one, I just think, you don't need me. You don't need anybody. It's just going <laughs> to no go kidding. off and just do this stuff. 
And that's mind-boggling. But when I think about a 2018 Honda Accord with a six-speed manual and a short shifter, you're wanting involvement. That's not what the GTR does. So I'm just wondering about it as your dream car. And, and again, maybe you've driven it, and that's why you love it, and so awesome. And I look, I will not argue with anybody that has a GTR that they love because they're amazing cars. They but are. they're not involving cars. So what is it you're liking? Because the thing that's interesting in your email is how much you like that Accord and how much you like specifically having a manual. I will also add the consumables to that. It is not the cost of that GTR, but those <laughs> GTRs require very high levels, dollar levels of oh, yes. maintenance. Mm-hmm. So just know that going in, yes. should you get one in your life, know that it it's not what you paid for it. Those tires get eaten very yeah. quickly and yeah. the consumables are very high. I mean, this was a very finely high, finely crafted, high performance engine. The whole car is amazing. Incredible car. But it needs constant maintenance. Yes. And you cannot let the maintenance on one of those go. You <laughs> cannot ignore the maintenance. Yeah, true. Anyway. Onward. Well, Alex says his Honda has been a great all-around vehicle. It's been good moving out of his house and being able to have some fun on the Blue Ridge Parkway. Cool. All right. The problem is his fiance can't really drive stick. She can get from point A to B, but traffic scares her and he needs to be there helping her problem solve. She's only learning to drive stick begrudgingly because she's got a 2018 Honda Civic hatchback that's small and not as comfortable for long road trip road trips. They when they have other adults in the car and they will end up taking Alex's car. That's their road trip car because it's bigger and yeah. because they like it, which means if they're trading off driving at all, she needs to drive. And this is where the problem's created. And I also have this question. I'm going to stop here again, Alex, and ask this question. How does she drive stick without you in the car? This is that don't teach the one you love new things that we've talked about before. Yeah. And this includes like skiing and, and your sport of choice and driving stick and that kind of stuff. It's better to have someone that's not you teach the one you love to do the task, okay? Because also, she knows you like your Accord. So if she's on the highway or if she's driving stick and you're sitting right seat and it doesn't go right, how much, and you may not know, and she may not know, but I'm asking the question, how much does that add to her stress level that it's you sitting there trying it? Probably some. I would imagine some, yeah. Let's say we'll guarantee it's some. Probably some. That's unclear, but Alex also gives us a time frame as to when they're driving. It's quite a bit of driving from certain months of the year. And he says they do holidays with long road trips and 35% of the time they have other adults in the car with them and a medium sized dog. So they fill that accord. So they so do they, drive using those, that space in those back seats, yeah. which is great. Now his fiance's commute is about an hour and a half round trip. And the civic is great on gas mileage. It's really fun to drive around the Philadelphia suburbs and mountain roads. So she does not want to trade her car. Alex has been trying to come up with a third car solution for the both of them. That could be great for the longer road trips, also haul enough luggage for four adults and doesn't need to be as cheap to maintain as two Hondas, but they don't want to be planning to spend thousands a year in maintenance. Phaeton. Oh, wait, sorry. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. I don't know why that came out. Alex writes that he was inspired, Todd, by your long-term ownership of your Porsche Cayenne and Hmm. would most likely want the V8 engine and avoid the air ride suspension. That's a good call. Please, please, please change out all of the hoses on the V8. They are known to go bad and they are plastic. And this is why you don't buy the early V8s because they were plastic (laughs) and they grenaded themselves. Anyway, yeah. Well, Alex and his fiance have debated getting a truck since they go on ski trips. He's got motorcycles. He would haul to the beach and they do water skiing, which involves a lot of wet gear. Yes. So what ideas do we have for Alex? Should he just keep getting his fiance to get better at driving a stick? 
at the risk of his clutch. They wouldn't want to spend more than $15,000 to get this third new car since he would probably use it to commute three days a week. What do we think? There's actually a lot of kind of behind the scenes relationship stuff going on here. And Alex, I'm going to throw this out to you. What if your fiance commutes for a few weeks in your car? You're not going with her. Ooh. No, no, no. Just that becomes her car Ooh. for two or three weeks. What you're talking about right now is you like that Accord, you want to keep it. She likes her Civic, she wants to keep that. Those are both cars you want to have stay, which keeps your budget as low as $15,000. And the problem here is a lot of like the big stuff, the big grand stuff, you need more than fifteen grand to get one you can count on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I feel like one of those two cars has to go. So I keep circling back no matter where I go. I keep circling back to one thing. You know what you can really afford a lot of, Alex? Clutches. <laughs> a $15,000, seriously, a $15,000 used luxury car or a big car you can put a lot of people in is bound to cost you more than multiple clutches. Yeah, it is. And so I'm really thinking... More than three or four clutches. Yes, yes. It, yeah. it, in just keeping it running Including and making it labor. good. Yes. So what I'm just thinking is, <laughs> have, your, have your fiance oh, I like commute this. in your Accord for a few weeks. You're not there with her. Mm. She's commuting. What I feel like is happening is driving stick is a road trip only event for her. And so it's still in that kind of weird, special, little bit concerning her commute as a drive she knows backwards and forwards mm, mm-hmm. she could do it without thinking so now the only thing she has to think about is what gear do i need to be in how do i release this clutch oh i'm in stop and go traffic which i will admit sucks in a manual mm, mm-hmm. but a couple of weeks of that there's gonna be two things that are happening one she's gonna be a little frustrated and want her car back because she's gonna want to not commute in a, in a stick shift car i know that's gonna happen but the other part of it is it's gonna be subconscious now She's just going to yeah. be able to drive it and not think about it. She may be annoyed by it because she wants to be in an auto, but she's going to be, that's the place you haven't gotten over the hump. And anytime she drives it is on a long trip with you sitting right seat. So there's that extra pressure. Yeah. Two weeks, yeah. buddy. She commutes in your accord. Two weeks. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. Going in. If that means two weeks from now, you need a clutch. You probably won't. But if that means two weeks from now, you need a clutch. Pretty inexpensive compared to buying a whole other car. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I got a lot of thoughts here. Alex, uh, when you say getting better, you want her to get better. Of course, absolutely. But getting better, that phrase means two things. Mm. First of all, her desire to get better. That's key. Does she even want to get better? Mm-hmm. And then what Todd identified up front, the second thing is someone else to teach her. Anybody else but you. <laughs> because there won't be that pressure. Yep. And you won't be there to discover, oh, well, you know what? Don't do that. You, you did it wrong. And don't it, do that. You did it how I don't want you to do it. <laughs> yeah. First of all, if she wants to get better, she needs to treat it less like a, this has to happen because car enthusiasts should just know manual transmissions and I just, I have to do this, but look at it like a life skill, mm-hmm. like the ability to tie a bowline or the ability to back a boat down the boat ramp into the water successfully without everybody on the dock laughing at you. You don't have to do that anymore because all the trucks are now being designed to do it for well, you. Well, I know, but still, that, that, fact, that's a skill. It is a skill. In fact, I saw a commercial recently where GM is making a system where the truck will back itself to your hitch. It will identify the hitch in the rear view camera. Why are we taking away skill sets of the, of the modern yeah. human? 
trying to moving skill sets, trying to overcome lack of skill with technology, which it's doing. How about you just learn how to do it or actually kind of get good at something? I don't see a problem with that because yeah, it's a nice skill to have whether or not you love doing it, whether or not she finds it engaging to get more out of her car when she's driving a manual transmission, when she's driving your car, when she has to, she can just jump in and Hey, I need you to move that car over there. You won't ask, well, yep. what kind of transmission yep. is it? Because that will affect if I can or not. Mm. No, mm. I don't care what the transmission is. I'll just move it for you. Therefore, that's a life skill, and that's going to be very handy. It'll come in handy later. But of course, we love manual transmissions. Enthusiasts love manual transmissions. Absolutely. And that desire can't be forced upon somebody. That that mm. feeling, mm-hmm. you can't tell. Well, this is what everybody thinks. Enthusiasts love manuals, and you should too, because enthusiasts love manuals. What if she doesn't? <laughs> she's in love with an enthusiast. Therefore, she's supposed to love manuals. Exactly. Maybe. I wonder if there's a little bit of that going on. Mm-hmm. So I, I want her, Alex's fiance, I want you to approach that a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Because ultimately, I want you to enjoy it. I don't want you to feel like anybody has forced this upon you. Mm. And you're going, well, I guess I like manuals. And I guess I learned. And ugh. maybe you do. Maybe you don't. But I want you to look at it, hopefully, from a different way. But then this third car that you suggested, Alex, $15,000 budget, Mm -hmm. a third car that does the same things as your current two cars, an expense you don't need in your life. You don't want that or you don't need that in your life right now because you both have four passenger cars. True. With four doors Mm -hmm. and getting a third larger sedan will give you a third car that does the same thing your two cars already do. It's it's a car theoretically that's leaned more toward your out of town trips, but it's not like you you haven't said anything here about the accords too small for what we do. That's actually not mentioned. Right. It's just we're thinking about something else. Right. And I don't understand how for thinking about something else for something the accord does really well, why is the accord staying? I struggle with that. You mentioned a pickup truck and that you might be interested in having one, which is good. I was going to say, unless it's a pickup truck and something that does a vehicle that does something totally differently sure. for your sure. need, maybe. Four door, four seat pickup truck with a bunch of space in the back and haul something. Yep. Now you are doing things the exactly. Accord can't do. I do see that. I get that. Or unless it's a very focused driver's car or a mm-hmm. track car, you'll be getting another four passenger, four adult sedan. Mm-hmm. So I think you need to sell both cars. Whoa. Okay. Curveball. Because the car you have, Alex, isn't right. It was right for you, Mm. but it's not right for the both of you. Interesting. Okay. And her car is right for her, but it's not right for the both of you. Mm. Don't get a third car. Didn't see this twist coming. Keep going. I mean, because a larger sedan would have to be automatic, but that doesn't solve the clutch melting problem. Mm. And does it solve her desire to drive manual transmission? Also, before you sell these two cars... Hopefully your fiance will learn how to drive your clutch, your manual. <laughs> You're selling the Burt clutch, aren't you? No. <laughs> she uses it up, and then right before you sell it, you put a new clutch in and sell the car with a brand new clutch. <laughs> okay. All right. You're that being will nice. Sell well the done. Car. You're right. Fair point. Fair point. Then she's learned you've burned up your clutch. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, yeah. We're, we're, yeah, yeah. we're going very far in our assumptions there. Maybe, well, yeah, maybe I mean, it'll be just fine. There's plenty of people that have learned on cars and the clutches have gone for many tens of thousands of miles since yes. then. Absolutely true. Yes. yes. So no changes can happen until she becomes a competent manual driver, which only mm-hmm. you and she can assess. Mm-hmm. And then now you can get a fun car for you that is manual because your commute isn't huge. True. It doesn't sound like true. you've got the huge commute. She does. So the car that 
is a little bit bigger that is still cost effective but can haul adults is the new Civic. Mm. She, you, you guys like Hondas already. Now that's interesting. The new Civic's got tons of backseat space. Hun, it fits adults, lots yeah. of space. Yeah. The new Civic Touring with the CVT, okay, not automatic, but still, we found some fun to be had and it's mm-hmm. engaging and interesting. It's got new tech. And it's a great car for a good price. I didn't, I, I see how you got, I didn't go there. I see how you got there. That's very good. She gets the new Civic and that is now your road trip mm, car. That mm-hmm, is the car mm-hmm. that you spend time in. I mean, you could even look at HRVs if you wanted to go slightly larger and enter the fray of SUVs. HRV and, or CRV, they're all on the same platform. Yeah. Now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now you, Alex, hmm. can go after the fun manual car because you're trying to make your Accord do both. Yeah, he is. For and sure. it's good at neither. Well, it's not good enough at either. That's the thing. Right. You're enjoying it on back roads, Blue Ridge Parkway and that kind of thing. You're enjoying it. You're enjoying it for road trip, but you're going, I'd like something a little more road trippy and I don't want to get rid of my manual transmission that I really, really like. Exactly. I see where you got, I see where you went. That's good. So now That's she good. can drive your fun car when she's a, now a competent manual transmission mm-hmm. driver, mm-hmm. which means you will trust her going to drive your car and she can go have fun with it. Mm-hmm. And then you can commute in the sand, and then the two of you can take that larger car. I mean, I say larger, but the Civic is still a very compact car, and it's a great size and, and a shocking lots of space. space. Yeah. So now you can take that if you need to commute. That is your road trip car, and then swap back. She will love driving mm-hmm. it and commuting mm-hmm. in it, mm-hmm. and it'll be very efficient for that. And you're back in your fun manual car, and you you haven't bought a third car, tires, gas, insurance, place to park, place it. to park it, all of those yeah. things. You've got more specific tools for your job rather than trying to add something to replace the two cars that aren't really doing it to begin with. All three of those cars have circles that massively overlap. You're right. That's a very good point. It's the Venn diagram (laughs) (laughs) of cars that don't really work. There's a lot of overlap there. Interesting. It's only a third, a a small triangle of the the sweet spot where they actually do work for you. But the rest of the time, you're paying for things you don't use and need. Interesting. And there's a lot of duplication. I do see that. I want to say a couple things to you as well, Alex, and that is, look, the, the I thought of the Mazda 6 for you. That's because the Mazda one. 6 has a monster huge trunk, but the truth is, it's almost an exact duplicate of your Honda Accord. <laughs> right. right. I, I do see your interest in the Cayenne. I like it. I think you would really enjoy that as obviously, look, I have two of them now. Obviously, they are surprisingly good to drive, mm-hmm. but I wonder, the first gen Cayenne doesn't have as much back seat space as the second gen. And we've noticed this as my son's gotten larger. We now have both. The The first-gen Cayenne probably doesn't have as much rear seat space as your Accord does, mm-hmm. even though it has a good amount of hatch space mm-hmm. and you would probably enjoy driving it. I did think total wild card, a little bit used Volvo V60 wagon. That's cool. Surprising back seat space. Very nice to be in. Good interior. Now, you're not yeah. going to get the latest and greatest, but it is a hatch. It has good space. I think that would be a really excellent road trip car for you guys. Good miles per gallon, eight-speed automatic, et cetera. I mean, I'm looking at one right here in front of me that is listed for a 2015 V60 T5 Platinum. It is loaded 38,000 miles, final on Auto Tempest 4, right at 20 grand. Mm -hmm. That seems like a really good road trip, be-on-the-road car for me. But you're buying a $20,000 eight-year-old Volvo. It's going to need something Mm-hmm. which circles yeah. me back to where you were, Paul, which is clean out the garage and think about it as a more... I didn't go there, but I love that. It's a more focused thought. What all? What is mm-hmm. all the, the money that we can get for the two cars now? Yeah. And now let's be specific with our dollars. And and then, Alex, I am going to say it again. I said it up top. I'm going to say it again. But you know what's cheaper in all these scenarios? A clutch. <laughs> 
about four or five clutches. Multiple clutches, which I don't even think you're going to need more. I don't either. I think your current clutch will still last Mm -hmm. her learning curve, and it'll still be fine after that. Alex's fiance, go commute in his car for a couple weeks, (laughs) come back, and then say, honey, let me show you how I drive. That's where we're going. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We want to remind you that one of the first upgrades you should do to your vehicle is better brakes. An upgraded brake system can transform a vehicle's performance and give you better peace of mind behind the wheel in any situation. Track, trail, or traffic, every vehicle deserves performance brakes at an affordable price. No matter what your vehicle is or your driving style, PowerStop has a complete brake upgrade kit for you. Head to PowerStop.com. Fill in your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use brake finder, and you'll be matched with complete kits and components that are low-dust, truly noise-free, and feature upgraded stopping power. We have both experienced firsthand the upgrade quality on our own vehicles. I've got the Z36 truck and tow pads and rotors on my Ford Expedition, and it brakes more powerfully than it ever has. Join the thousands of drivers that have already transformed their vehicle into a stopping powerhouse today. Power Stop. Brake upgrades made easy. Our next debate is from Eric A., who I believe is in SoCal, but he's Mm -hmm. writing in for a friend of his who seems to be reluctant to take Eric's automotive suggestions seriously. So Eric and Eric's friend. Okay. He needs backup. All right. Well, his friend lives in SoCal, has recently gotten married, become a father, bought a house, and his current car, a 2019 BMW M6 convertible. But it's at the end of its lease and is no longer practical. Yeah. I see with that list, I see how that doesn't work. Eric says, this isn't where I need the backup. (laughs) Where he's looking for support. This takes a turn I did yeah, not does. see. Yeah, He's looking for support on his new home office, his friend's mm-hmm. new home office. He works from home. He's planning to set up this office inside his two-car garage. Okay. He doesn't need to park a car in the garage. His current plan is just a desk, maybe a couch, a table, a TV, and some storage cabinets. Eric thinks this is a wasted opportunity. <laughs> a garage deserves a car, he writes. And in this case, he's got the space and ability to put an artwork car in the garage slash office. Okay, I'm fascinated huh? by this. So, <laughs> this okay, is this is not Eric doing it. This is Eric's friend who right. goes, I'm going to work from home now. And since I work from home, is this you know the what? asking I'll for just, a friend? Is I this... don't think so. I okay. actually don't think it is. I think right. this is Eric really trying to convince his friend this is the answer. His friend has said, I'm just work from home now. You know what I do? I'm just going to turn the garage into my office. I don't need much in there. Just desk and stuff. I'll just keep the door closed. We'll keep the cars outside. It's SoCal. We'll park the cars outside. You're going to need a lot of dust maintenance there, but that's a separate thing. So anyway, so so I'm just going to have that. And Eric's going. Well, it's got a garage door. You're going to sit in the garage all day every day. Park a car. In Why there? not put a car in there with you? Except that Eric's suggestion is that his friend get something cool and park it in there, staged as an art or inspiration piece. Is your friend a designer? Because that's about the only way this starts to make some sense to me. But anyway, keep going. He writes, how cool would it be to have a car in your office with you? Mm -hmm. I think very cool. Very, very cool, actually, yes. Since it's not needed for transportation, it also doesn't need to be reliable or even run. Yes, I want a car in my office. Yes, I want the glass enclosed, Mm -hmm. the modern house on the hill with the office, and I pull my Porsche 911 in there, and Mm. I have my Maserati collection. (laughs) I love that you now have a Maserati collection in your 
your dream garage. It's awesome. It's so fantastic. But all of them need to run and mm. they need to be able to mm-hmm. be pulled out into the sunlight and driven hard and then parked back into that office. Maybe dirty. This whole crane a McLaren Senna into your 20th floor condo in New York Never to or leave again. Yeah. Uh-uh. <laughs> I don't think so. Well, that's the thing. Eric says, so his question for us is, assuming that we agree with him, we already are kind of not. But anyway, what car (laughs) should he put in the office? What car would we put in the office if if this was our situation? And then he says, needs to be beautiful, doesn't need to run, budget is 50K. Now, Eric, I'm going to stop right here. 50K for something that doesn't run that's an art piece in your office? Uh, A couple of questions we can't answer, and the audience is also wondering, and that is, does your friend want to spend $50,000 on an art piece? I mean, art, art piece for his garage office. Uh, take out car for a second. Just take it out. Does your friend want to spend $50,000 on art for his garage home office? If he does, if he's a super car guy, car freaks like all of us, okay. I'll continue following down, down that road. But I already am going, <laughs> you've spent $50,000 of your buddy's money for art in his garage sometimes office. At that point, do you close the door and like make the office nice and like seal in the door and like turn it into a nice? I mean, that's fifty thousand dollars well, is a lot for the home office. Yes, at that point, yes, it has to be really nice. So anyway, I'm wondering about that. And then the second thing is, and, and I tried to think of. I've got I've got two metaphors here, my friend. You ever been at a zoo and you see an eagle? Okay. You see an eagle, like the eagle that is standing there, on, like especially, they, they love this. There's a couple zoos around where there is actually the, the, the American bald eagle, and you know, it's all this patriotic stuff around the, the cage, and there's the, the big tree stump, and he stands on the, on the limb, and he looks very majestic. And then I think, it's awesome to see one up close. Wow, that's a really beautiful bird. Wow, those are huge talons. That's an amazing looking animal. And then I think, isn't this sad? Isn't that better when you see it flying overhead? Isn't everything about that better when you see it flying. Or here's my tackier metaphor. You are now married to the most beautiful person you've ever seen. And all you do together is watch TV. (laughs) Ever. You don't go out. You don't do anything else. You just watch TV. The problem with a $50,000 beauty car, and I'll go to one of my favorites, an Mm E-Type. A $50,000 E-Type, if you go buy one right now that doesn't run, you know what else it doesn't do? Look good. The $50,000 art-only car, unfortunately, those typically aren't attractive condition. The $50,000, mm. and you, you actually made, a, a fan, honestly, a fantastic list. You, you, you talked about a, a Porsche 550 Spider, a DeLorean, a Lotus Esprit, a C2 Corvette. Yes to all of those being pretty. Yes to all of those being worth mm-hmm. sitting in the home garage. But my problem is $50,000 on any of those probably buys you one that looks like it's out of the scratch and dent sale. He mentions rebuilt or salvage titles or, you know, some Aston Martin that's waterlogged. Or, and I don't think, all yeah. the ones you see, like think about a garage find. The barn find. Mm-hmm. They don't look good either. No, they don't. The, the, what, what you're needing is a beautiful shell, but the beautiful shells aren't 50 grand. No, they're not. By the way, if you want to see eagles, they're all in Alaska and they're at the, at dump. the dump. Because that's where they get food. They're scavengers. Nothing looks less majestic than the American bald eagle <laughs> at the you dump. You can see a ton of them there. There are tons want... of them. I've seen this too. Yeah. Don't go to the zoo. No. They're at the dump. They're mm-hmm. scavenging food and garbage. Anyway. Eric, I like your suggestions, but I'm going to steer you in another direction. Okay, because like Because any dollar amount at that level, it needs to run. Mm-hmm. It, it absolutely needs to be driven. I agree. 
I'm with you on the body shell. That's cool. And you'll see lots of car collectors who create their cave and they've got a body shell or a hood of something that's mm-hmm. signed by a racer or it's a piece that flew off or it's an old tire or it's a discarded wheel or it's even an engine block under glass. Those that's are the coffee really, table. really cool. I love those. There's all kinds of creative things and you can find them on all the auction sites, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're selling memorabilia. You can b- buy an old... 50s Ferrari tool set. You could have mm. a table made and lay out all these cool tools from the 50s under glass and create your own display or, or what kind of strikes you. And that will cost far less than $50,000. I mean, maybe the tool set might cost you two or three to get it at auction. And then, you know, you, you have a table built or, or remade to, to suit you for that kind of thing. And that's your coffee table or, or that's the work table or that's your desk. There's lots of ideas that can be make a a really cool automotive themed office, Mm -hmm. including art. I mean, wall art. I mean, posters or prints. And I will recommend a company that I have bought art from and they're excellent. And no, this is not uh, a a tacit endorsement because they are not paying us to say this, but Automobilist, Mm. they do so much work to create amazing posters and prints and they're, they're really fantastic. So check those guys out. But you can buy... You can find so many, you know, oil paintings or cool, there's all kinds of sculptures and car models that you could get into, even like the eighth scale car models. Mm. They're a couple grand. And they're they're still kind of big, but they're gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. And you could choose something that, you know, really strikes you, a car that you've always wanted, a Bugatti or an old Ferrari or something like that. So there's so many different kinds of things that I would say if you're sp- if your friend is spending that kind of money already, because we still have a car to get to, we still have a car There's to still a purchase car for him coming. his yes. lease mobile is going out of lease. Because it's, the M6 convertible doesn't yes. work anymore. I mean, I'll tell you one that I thought of that is actually like, would be the perfect office decorative car is the Jaguar D-Type. It's a spectacular looking car. Yeah. But you're not buying one for 50 grand. You're not buying <laughs> oh, and not running one for 50 grand. No. And then I also had this terrible thought, and I am not the guy typically to think along these lines, but I just had this thought. You're sitting there in your office. You're kind of looking off into the middle distance because you're thinking about the next sentence of the document you're doing or the Excel spreadsheet or whatever it is that you do. And you're looking into the middle distance and you suddenly realize that your gorgeous art car that sits in your office with you needs to be dusted. It's going to happen. Sure. You're going to have to clean that body of that car yeah. regularly. Otherwise, it's just going to look bad. Yeah. So now you've created something to clean that you still can't drive. <laughs> anyway. Well, Eric writes that this new car that we're shopping for his friend needs to be more kid-friendly, still stylish. He's a guy who loves big power, so he's thinking about getting a G-Wagon. Eric thinks he should get a Porsche Panamera Sport Turismo, which I Mm. do agree with. It is great. But Eric says it can't be a Mercedes AMG E63 wagon because (laughs) Eric wants one. And if he gets one, Eric can't. (laughs) Please don't tell my friend to get the car I really want Uh, because then I can't get the car I really want. That is hysterical. He says that is a guy rule. So I, I think that's very funny, Eric. I really do like that. That makes me laugh. He doesn't know the actual budget his friend's spending, but if it's G-Wagon kind of money or Panamera, that would be the upper range. And both of those have come up in conversation. The G-Wagon, the Panamera sure, have sure. already come up. Cause, so it's not like Eric is creating a budget for his buddy's next car. Yeah. We are talking things like the G-Wagon or the Panamera Sport Turismo. And Eric realizes that's also Mercedes AMG E63 wagon money, but he's ignoring that. This is our recommendation. Where are we going? 
Cadillac CT5 Blackwing. Oh, that is good. And we're done. That is very good. Okay. You like big power. It's kid-friendly. It's kid-friendly because you're just going to be doing burnouts, right? <laughs> the kids will find just it awesome. Cheering. I do like that. Yes. Gosh, you can get it in a manual transmission, too. That's very good. Cadillac. I really like it. That's very, very good. I do like that. And find some sculpture. Find, there's so many cool art pieces. And I'm all about a great garage. I would love to have a space mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And I would go crazy with you know, all, all the art. And You have and, art in your current garage. It looks awesome. Yeah. I, I found this 928 engine that was painted as part of a glass table on casters. I wanted to buy it so bad, but it was $4,500. And you were spending that money on your actual 928 to try to make it <laughs> right. actually run. It's like, yeah. you know what? If I'm going to spend that money, I should probably Auto put it in a new transmission. Mm-hmm. Huh. Well, <laughs> so I didn't. <laughs> I have a few for you, Eric and Eric's friend. And that is uh, the Porsche Taycan Gran Turismo. Living in SoCal has decent infrastructure for, for electric cars. I get the impression he doesn't drive that much. He mm-hmm. works from home. He commutes. He takes the kids' places. The Taycan looks at its best when it has that Gran Turismo hatchback on it, too. Those are out there and glorious. Those are sweet. I like those a lot. The G-Wagon is a useless in-town car. It's just, I'm sorry, it's a useless I mean, in-town I car. I like it. You're a huge fan. Paul. I'm a I know huge you are, fan but, now. But that's a useless car. Uh, I will say this, uh, Eric. <laughs> if you and your friend are picking wagons, you know what you didn't bring up? The RS6. Oh, yeah. Which, that, that's which I you, Okay, Eric, here's the thing. You've got an RS6 or an AMG E63 wagon. Which one do you want, Eric? And then you steer your friend the other way. Because either one of those. I saw an RS6 yesterday sitting in traffic, and it just snapped my head. It was like, oh, look at that. It wasn't that blue one around here, is yes, it? Yes, it was. With the roof box. Uh-huh. I just that saw one. that. That guy's everywhere. He skis in that car. It's everywhere, and I, I like it more than I should. It's so good looking. It's really beautiful. So I'm saying, Eric, if you want to steer him away from one of those, those are the two good options. Pick one. <laughs> I'm having more thoughts about Eric's situation with his friend. I have two things I want to share. First off, our great friend Richard Griot always had a race car, a classic vintage race car in his office, mm-hmm. and that was a baller move. Because it's a classic race car he didn't want to drive because it had major provenance. Mm-hmm. I still kind of wanted to drive it. But it's a separate I thing. totally wanted but, to but, drive but, it, yeah. but it had major provenance, real racing history, and mm-hmm. it was a race car that probably shouldn't be driven. Seen people that put like old F1 cars on the wall. That's really cool because That's... the truth is you're probably never going to drive that, and so I kind of get it. I'd do it if but I could. But the price is quite expensive. Yes. But I will say this. Back to pretty things to put in your office. The pretty car in your office Drive the pretty cars. They don't sit. Part of the reason that they're awesome is the fact that they look that great and do stuff. Art doesn't do that. Art hangs on your wall, looks really cool. I really like that. It's very nice. All it will ever do is be there and be art. The car can be driven. It can go to like do stuff Yeah, and be that pretty. I also like that whoever owns the, the vintage car next, that's part of its lineage. That's part mm-hmm. of its ownership that is eventually passed down to, mm. to future owners too. I mean, I love that it has racing provenance and history, but I want to be part of that too. If I could afford it, I'd totally do it. <laughs> it's like an actual Topic Tuesday has grown up out of Eric's car debate <laughs> for he and his buddy. I love it. As always, you guys have got great questions. Thank you for writing. And I'm going to start right here with Kirk. Because this is almost a topic Tuesday, but I'm going to touch on it really quickly. He said from Facebook, should we worry about EVs getting even easier access to stupid amounts of horsepower and acceleration? And Kirk, I think the simple answer is yes. EVs are Mm. going to create a scenario that has never happened before. In the history of cars, you have never had the most powerful, fastest things on the road being bought by people who really don't care to drive. 
Yeah, that's a that's a crazy thought. I mean, they met. Now let me be another another way. You may have all the money in the world, and so you buy the most expensive, most powerful thing. Not because you're a great driver, but because you want to drive the big boy and you have to get the biggest one. That's happened. Mm -hmm. But at least there was driving interest. The thing going on with EVs is they're being sold on their speed Mm -hmm. because they're all powerful. Pick an EV, put it against a gasoline car. Guess what's going to win the EV? Like the little little nothing EV is still going to win, okay? You're putting people that don't care to drive, don't like driving, would rather not drive into something that's more powerful than they've ever encountered. And I do think that's going to create problems that we haven't seen yet. I, I'm not suggesting a solve. I'm not. I'm not taking yeah. a shot at EVs either, because EVs, by their nature, have a ton of torque. Yeah, exactly. It's not like yeah. let's make EVs that aren't that way. That's the nature of EVs. It's not Teslas. EVs, period. That's why we had a friend whose wife took out people at the light in her Bolt because she could. All right, but but <laughs> we're great we're creating a world where people are going to buy EVs that don't want to drive and have power they have no idea what to do with. It's a good point. Over on Instagram, Travels with George J says his local Jaguar dealership has announced they will quit selling Jags at the end of the month. Mm. Rumor has it another dealership group is following suit. He's got to speculate it's due to the slimmed down model lineup Mm -hmm. amidst the move to all EV lineup. Do we think Jaguar is moving too quickly for the market? Will the brand survive? Jaguar has always been a niche kind of market and they pride themselves on being that they don't want to be a mass market kind of vehicle. But I've always thought we're in business to make money and make cars. Mm -hmm. And it's not like they're building such special one-offs like singers or even Lambos. I mean, Lamborghini is a huge mass manufacturer, you know, (laughs) almost comparatively. It's funny. (laughs) Kind of in in a way compared to some, but there's this rush to, create EVs. Mm-hmm. And a lot of car companies are doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Audi has announced plans. BMW has. A lot of manufacturers have announced this is the direction we're going. But I always think that it should be tread carefully and a note of caution and diversify. Hedge your bets. Mm-hmm. Because I still think it will be important to have a wide range of models and a good variety of things that would appeal to more customers, personally. And I, I think that's a better route for Jaguar to go, especially a company that is known for Sports cars. Yeah. And elegant when, sports cars. and that Elegant, kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. of course. Yeah, you know, the long sedans and, and <laughs> yeah, that kind sure. of thing. But still, more sporty driving is really the, the Jaguar kind of thinking. Gentleman, classy, elegant GT car, mm-hmm. yeah, that sure. kind of thing. Rather than, we got to make an EV SUV for the masses. Because if that's the mm-hmm. thinking, that doesn't really fit with the Jaguar ethos, the Jaguar brand, in my opinion. I realize they didn't call and ask for they our opinion. Call. They didn't ask, yeah. Time will tell. I, I think diversification for car companies is important and a, a slow shift because technology moves so quickly, especially with EVs and battery technology, that the slower things go, the more quickly you can implement new technology that just arrived on the scene. The issue with Jaguar also is just the fact, back to George, something else George said there, and that is, they don't have much product. I can't. Uh, is there anybody that is just a Jaguar dealer currently? Aren't you Jaguar and it's Land Rover and Aston JLR. Martin and four or five other things uh, to survive? It's I mean, at come least on. Jaguar our, our local Lamborghini yeah. dealer, which is actually wildly successful, believe it or not, the Salt Lake Lamborghini dealer is very successful. They still don't just sell Lamborghinis. Right. You have to sell four or five different things. They sell rematch. They sell lots of things. But anyway, <laughs> uh, crazy, crazy money. Anyway, but but the thing is that Jaguar is the forgotten car company right now. Mm-hmm. They make the F-Type. They make the, do they still make the XE? I'm not even sure they do. The sedan, the XE, and then they're, and then they're chasing electrics. And, and here's yeah. the other thing about it. Yeah. The I-Pace, 
Does anybody talk about the iPace? The iPace looked great and was ahead of its time on a lot of what it did, and it vanished. That does not enter into conversation when you're discussing EVs and you're shopping. Rivians are in people's minds. Yes, Rivian, who's who showed up last week apparently compared to Jaguar. Yeah. The iPace is actually kind of cool, and it looks great, and it nobody ever discusses it's it. Such old news. It is, it is a brand that is just slowly being forgotten. And unless here's the thing: if they want to go all EV, fine, but you're going to need to do something in EVs that makes you a standout. And you already did the iPace, and it kind of got ignored, which is really too bad. Mm -hmm. So what does Jaguar do to get noticed? They have to do something that makes them different. And I will put it this way. What if Jaguar was the pioneer in making a fun-to-drive, small electric car? Mm. Something that had sexy Jaguar styling that didn't weigh a ton, that actually was in... Uh, let me put it this way. Jaguar makes the electric Miata. Yeah, but I don't see them making small cars, maybe a medium-sized car, but even if it's a GT, maybe a four-passenger GT car, but if it's lightweight and GT... Fun and great-looking. That's interesting. Because the problem is, what they're going to do is they're going to make a five-seat CUV that comes in gray yeah. and is electric. Yeah. And frankly, why go to Jaguar? Because now you have the question mark in people's minds of, do I want that? Shouldn't I just buy Toyota, Honda, Lexus, mm -hmm. uh Tesla, all of them. Anybody else yeah. that makes that, shouldn't I buy that one instead? And the answer is probably yes. Thomas G22 looking for an SUV or truck under $25,000 with a minimum of 5,000 pounds towing capacity. Any ideas? Thomas, there's actually a lot. I don't remember off the top of my head all of the towing capacity of everything, but you could find yourself plenty of pickups with that towing capacity. Over 5,000 pounds is not that difficult a bar, actually. But I'll even go this way. All Cayennes tow 7,000 plus. They all do. Pretty cool. So you could go there. Switching over to watches briefly, Luke Summers 14 asks me my opinion on replica watches. Do I feel the same as replica cars like mm. the 356 that we drove? Or are they harmful to the industry? Looking at a replica Omega. Mm. Luke, I it's it's it offends me. It does. <laughs> I watched you back into that. That was very funny. It's because it does harm the industry mm. and there's so many brilliant talented people and Swiss watchmaking. Watchmaking at any level is such an incredible craft that replicas if you're looking at one you're just wanting the brand and you're wanting the flash without investing in the movement or investing in the people behind it. So if you want my opinion, I would go after Oris because mm. they are in-house movements. They are built. They are truly a Swiss brand, but they don't have the, the high cost of Rolexes and all, all those others. They are truly an amazing watch and they're about the same cost as a replica watch mm. and they're an original. I would go that direction instead. Ghosty Miata has one of those things that I think I could probably make a list and it would be huge, but I'm going to see what, what strikes me right off the top of my head reading this question just now. What is your favorite car from a movie not about cars? His example is the 928 from Risky Business. Not a car movie, but that that is a great car in a non-car movie. I'm going to step to the side right now and maybe cheat and say the Tumblr from the Christopher Nolan Batman movies is oh. amazing. Oh, it's yeah. It's not a movie about cars at all. I do like that. 
But I'm trying to think of others. You know what? There was that movie. Why can't I think of the name of it right now? It was that movie that John Travolta and Hugh Jackman were in with Halle Berry. It had a TVR in it. It was one of the first times a TVR had been in a U.S. Oh, movie. Oh, uh, Swordfish. Thank you. Swordfish is exactly yeah. the name. Yes. Swordfish has a TVR in it in that crazy color-changing blue. And that car just comes out of nowhere. It's one of those. What you're, what you're asking about that is those. That was a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. It's, it's like that, that movie when that car shows up, it kind of steals the scene for a moment until we all get past it. That TVR was like that in Swordfish, which is not a great movie separately, but that's a separate thing. It's the car chase in Ronan, all the car chases. It's it's not about the cars, and it's sure. not a car movie at all. Sure. It's an it's espionage kind of film, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's brilliant. One of my favorites. It still stands the test of time, and I've never wanted a brown Mercedes 450 SEL more <laughs> than I have in that car. This is where I bring it, up Condor film. Man. Oh my gosh. That terrible, stupid kit car in that movie gosh. electrified my little brain. And that was not a car movie. But anyway. That's amazing. You're a sound guy. Let's go here. Do you see this? Track Daily Crush V6 Sound Edition. I think I know my answer. Baloo240 says, now we're, t- we're judging on sound. Lotus Amira V6 Jaguar F-Type Alpha Julia Quadrifolio. Track Daily Crush based on how they sound. Ooh. I actually think, hmm, <laughs> I actually think that sound-wise, the Amira loses here. Yeah, I'll agree with that. I yeah. think I, I think I want to daily that Quadrifolio for sound. I'd want to daily anyway, and drive that Jaguar F-Type with the baffles open at full throttle all the time at the track. I mean, things change if it's the V8 Jaguar, but... But the V6 isn't bad. V6, and the Alpha's V6. So yeah, the yeah. Alpha's tops in the, on my list for that one. You see Marvin's question on Instagram. This is an interesting one. I'm going to see if I can answer this uh, efficiently without visual aids. If you're downshifting, sounds like a manual car, to pass somebody, why do you need to blip the throttle if you're getting back on the throttle anyway? Mm. And how does an auto rev match car deal with this? The reason for blipping the throttle on a downshift, Marvin, is to easily slot the gear and get the engine up to the speed it needs to be at when you downshift. And I'm just going to create it real quick. If you're going 4,000 RPM, and when you downshift, it's going to be 5,500 because that's the power you need for the pass. That's why you're downshifting. Mm -hmm. You can downshift, not hit the gas, let the car stumble through the clutch engagement, and now get on the gas. And that works just fine. But if you want to make it efficient and you want to make it work as fast as possible, then what you do is you rev it to 5,500 because that's where that gear needs to slot for you to be right in the power band for the speed you want to take off. And this is what the rev matching cars do. Yeah, especially for Instantly. passing, you need Instantly. power. Yeah. Damn it, Patton on Instagram was thinking about retro styling in cars and came to realize it seems like retro styling in automobiles seems to be mainly from American brands. Mm. When he thinks of modern cars that have retro styling, he can't come up with any offerings from European or Japanese makes, are there cars he's not thinking of, or is it simply America enjoys reliving the past more than the rest of the world? You know, I was thinking about all the European cars that have a style guide to them. Mm. BMW with specific kidney grills and Hofmeister kink. And Volkswagen with the GTI. That C-pillar is a certain shape and it sure, has to be sure. that way. Yeah. Well, that's because the first one was, but it's not necessarily retro. It's more of an element that has to be respected throughout the lineage to show here's the next iteration. Mm-hmm. We want you to continue with us as a brand. We want yeah, your business. Yeah. So trade in your old one, buy the new one, and you'll have a familiar lineage. 
except for the new beaver teeth. <laughs> kind of destroyed all that notion. I mean, they, they're they're the, giant kidney grills. It's a reference back to long, long ago and far worse, but yes. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But you may be right. I, th- I think American brands have been far more open to kind of crazier ideas and more uh, cyclical changes in the, styling. The American market really likes the nostalgia, but I'll give you two re-released cars from Europe that were absolutely retro-styled. Because generally he's right. It's an American plague, but I'll give you two. The new Beetle. The Beetle, certainly. And the new Mini. Well, Fiat 500 too. Excellent point, yes. Yeah. Those are all, and, and you could argue your style guide point there too. But in But in those cases... There wasn't a, we're going to give you a new Mini, and it's, it's going to be small, but it's not going to look like a Mini. It looks like a Mini. You know what? We're missing a big one. It's a 911. Yes, but it never went away. It just, it, it, it never, it, it's, it's a constant nostalgia project. They, <laughs> right. This is our shape. Right. Rework with that shape. But those shapes are implemented on all of their other vehicles. It's the yeah, 911 that right. set the tone for you're everything right. else. As it but shouldn't. I mean, sorry. It is modernized by virtue of proportion. Mm. wider, longer, bigger, you know, broader surfaces. That's how they have modernized the car over time, but it's still that nostalgic kind of retro shape in a sense. That's a good point. You see Occam's question? I'm trying to think of the name of our listener. We did a car debate for him forever ago. And I'm, I'm sorry, I can't remember your name, but you've written to us a couple times. We did a car debate years and years and years ago where he had he had fallen into surprise money. He had a family member die and they left him money. He had no idea existed. And what he decided to do was along the lines of Occam's question, which is we talk about how people that have got money to buy super exotic cars seem to never drive them. Mm-hmm. And he said, do we have a listener who every time we say that must be yelling at the podcast because they have an exotic car and they drive them all the time. And I, I I'm sorry again, I forget. And, and you'll write us an email and I appreciate it. I forget this guy's name, but he went out and bought a Ferrari 458 with this windfall and he dailied it. Which was so And great. then he traded it up to, I think, a McLaren, and now he's on to something else. He's gone through cars of that level yeah, yeah, consistently. He'll have them for a couple of years, make it his daily, drive it all the time, get people in it, have people experience it. He's like, I had the blessing of this money. Let me share this car with others. Which is and amazing. he keeps yeah. going through the exotics. So, Occam, you're right. Those owners are out there, but they are quite few and far between. Last question for me from Richard A., who's been with us on many meetups. He writes to us on Instagram asking if you're thinking about how it would be to drive a car on track or thinking about the the environment in Mm -hmm. which you're driving, the kind of road, does that affect what you're looking for in a car? Well, absolutely. Sure. Because of the cars that come to life at higher speeds, higher performance Mm -hmm. levels, or even at slow, slow cars. But when you push them hard, they either fail miserably or they suddenly give you dynamics you never knew were there when you're not on the kind of road that doesn't bring it to life. Absolutely. I mean, he writes because of this discussion from the Utah Adventure. People were swapping, and the F-Type kept polarizing people with some really liking it, others really hating it. Mm-hmm. So he's asking, does this context or location of where we drive make us think, well, you know, I, I could really take advantage of this car, and I'd really like to have that because I've got this near me. Absolutely it does. And I also think it comes down to your personal driver baggage. And we all have it. Mm. Okay. Mm. If you've only ever driven large pickups and you hop into a Miata, you may like it, but there's some adjustment required. And and, and I'll put it another way. I'll put it in a more more relatable way. You've only ever driven really hot. I'm talking excellent front wheel drive hatchbacks. 
and you hop into a really good mid-engine car, you might, we've had this on our podcast before, you might not like that because it doesn't tug at the steering wheel like you're used to and, and it, the weight feels all wrong. Now, the car may be brilliant, but you've brought your own baggage and your own needs mm-hmm. yeah. or you're a person who everything you've ever driven has been 600 to 1,000 horsepower and you hop into a really well, well-balanced GR86 you're probably going to be completely influenced by the fact of this just doesn't have power. Mm-hmm, yeah. It does everything else well. <laughs> yeah. It just doesn't have power. So what you need as a driver is absolutely a factor on top of where are you driving that thing. As we wrap up the podcast, I'm going to try to start doing something uh, with a, a little bit more regularity, and that is just thanking you guys, our listeners, but thanking you from the demographics that I am seeing mm. from our stats, our analytics. And so many listeners are in Singapore, and I thank you. We thank you so much for listening. Write to us your debate. That's amazing. I mean, we've got listeners around the world, which still amazes me. And we thank you for listening wherever you're at. Australia, Canada, UK, Germany, Mm -hmm. Europe. There's so many people in... Central Europe and, and like I said, around the world. emails from all over the world. We get really cool emails, guys. We can't thank you enough. It's amazing. I was really encouraged to see Singapore on there. So we've got a lot of listeners there, which was great to see. Thank you, guys. We're always looking to next time. And reminder, no episode next time, but then we're back to regular schedule after that. Cheers, everyone.